Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect, and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. I want to thank our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great studio, and to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Hi, Mark. We, we've got another good one. I, I'm so I excited. know. Uh, I want to welcome Jerry Knotts. Jerry, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am, I am so thrilled to finally have this conversation. You're a legend in the region, and you've helped hundreds, if not thousands, of businesses and entrepreneurs uh, over the years. So getting a chance to sit and talk with you and, and record this so others can listen to it. Thank you very much. Let me get over my amazement. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Sharon, Pennsylvania. And then where'd you go to school? Penn State and oh, Auburn. I love that. Uh, uh, Penn, Penn State that was before was a we had problems. Well, yeah. I mean, but there's always there's always going to be yeah. that. And uh, what in in your background, I'm, I'm thinking I like I like to find out the spark. When did you find out what you wanted to be in life? How young were you? I was in junior high. In junior high. Now, notice the listener it just nailed that right then. It was not a hard question. So tell me about that day. What, what happened? Well, I couldn't cite a day, but what happened was I decided that uh, I was going to make a career in the Air Force. Got it. And I want to fly. So You want to fly. That's it. I want to be in a plane. Yes. Right? Yeah. I love that. And what, what plan, at that time, what kind of plane, what kind of pilot did you want to be? Was it fight? Because Air Force it is kind matter. of fight. It didn't matter. Yeah, didn't Just matter. get me off the yeah. ground. Yeah. I love that. My dad worked at Boeing. Oh, and, beautiful. And uh, helped. Uh, they, uh, they invented a way to commercially adapt uh, ovens for use in airplanes down in Van Nuys. And then they'd manufacture them and send them up to Boeing, and my dad would install them. Uh, and he loved planes. So tell me then, so it's Air Force. You plan to go to school. Once you've decided that, do you work backwards and figure out what do I need to be schooled in to get into the Air Force? Well, you'd have to do that thought process because I wanted to be an officer. So well, I you wanted not just you want to be an officer. I had to go to college. So and I wanted to be an engineer. Oh, I wanted to be a chemical engineer. How does chemical engineering in the Air Force fit? It didn't, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't become a chemical engineer either. No, I, I changed my course, uh, or my field of study at Penn State. When I uh, went, uh, they do a little matriculation interview. Okay. You go there a couple of weeks before school starts. And they said, you know, you really should go into business. And I said, oh, I'll make a note of that. So after I get my engineering degree, I'll consider that. And they looked at me <laughs> very strange. And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to be an electronics engineer. That's it. And, and I did. And so where did you, did you go to the Air Force right af after no, school? No, During uh, Penn State had Air Force ROTC. Okay, got so it. So immediately I joined the Air Force ROTC sure. and pursued that through the four years and was commissioned on uh, graduation. Actually, I was commissioned about an hour before I graduated. Hmm. 
No kidding. Yeah. So that was part of it, right? I mean, that must have been oh, a pretty yeah. well, amazing that, day, right? That you, lay, you lay out a life plan, that's a mandatory uh, milestone. Had to have the degree, right? Get the commission, right? Then, uh, of course, uh, uh, I had a fiance, and we decided the day I got my orders, we were getting married. She was also no. Penn State. She graduated about six months before I did, hmm. and uh, I went to work for Inus for Research at Penn State. So that's what I was doing in the interim. My orders arrived to go to flight school. Where I, did you do flight school at? Uh, Waco, Texas. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, the how did where did the engineering play out with the Air Force? Oh, I, I was the luckiest guy in the world. How's that? Unbelievable. You know the you know our theme today, Patrick. Yeah, has uh, been luck. We've, luck and passion. We've yeah. had entrepreneurs in all yeah. day, and luck keeps raising. Well, its my head. luck and passion matched. Nice. So uh, after uh, flight school, the first you go to two two years different levels in the advanced course why uh, I was asked to stay as an instructor which I really objected to mm. but they said since you know solid state we're converting all the electronics in the Air Force to solid state and we need someone to write the course and teach it oh uh, okay so I went to instructor school and graduated with honors <laughs> which turns out you're a pretty good instructor <laughs> well I couldn't say that but I was kind of surprised right back then uh it was really funny. Back then, the way you made view graphs is you took ammonia and a piece of cellophane or whatever that material was, and you put it out in the sun. How about those lights? Wow. Yeah, really. So I made a whole bunch of those and made a big presentation about how to do all this stuff. And I went back and was an instructor for about a year. And then I got a, uh, a demand from a sergeant from personnel. And I'm on the classroom. I'm up teaching. And this thing comes in, well, you know, one thing you learn in the Air Force, don't argue with a sergeant, right? <laughs> especially if he's in personnel, right? Yeah. <laughs> he can get even. Yeah. So I said, okay. So I turned it over to my assistant instructor, and I went over to personnel, and they said, he told me that uh, I was being transferred. I said, okay, what did I do wrong? He says, well, you didn't do anything wrong. And when you go back to the office and tell them where you're going, they're probably not going to let you in the room. Because really? this is an absolute choice assignment. Mm. I said, oh, really? Where's that? He says, Germany. Mm. I said, whoa, do you have any film? <laughs> he said, yeah. You didn't have slides and that kind of stuff. So I got a big can of uh, film about Germany and a projector and took it home. And I walked in the door and she said, I know what that is. That's a film about Germany. I said, where'd you hear? Because I didn't tell anybody. She says, are you kidding? The officer's wives don't know what's <laughs> going on. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> the first the social network. Yeah, there. so long story short. What year was this? This was, uh, let's see, 1964. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. And uh, the whole thing, rather than go into nitty-gritty details, that assignment turned out to be the unbelievable entry into a wonderful world. Wow. I was flying uh, clandestine covert airplanes. Do you understand what that means? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, general idea. Are you allowed to tell us what that yeah, means? Right now I can't. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> We've already written a couple of books. Yeah. Anyway, uh, these airplanes would change configurations in flight. Huh. So, nice. And, of course, the section I was in, I was responsible for the configurations. Oh. Because no one else took it, and I said, hey, 
perfect for me. Right. So I stepped in and did it. What kind of configuration would it switch from to? Well, doors would open and things would come out, and okay. like antennas and cameras would be there and all kinds of stuff. And I think it was at that time that my uncle was working at Lockheed, and he was the one who was inventing all the cameras that you were probably using. Well, Lockheed was one of our companies. Well, yeah. I'll get into that. But, uh, wow. Uh, so that was the entree point. So the, the organization in the, the States that ran that came over for a visit, and, of course, I had been interchanging information with them, exchanging all the design stuff. And their departure was, uh, we're having you assigned to us. Is that okay? I said, you've got to be kidding me. Of course it's okay. Oh, right. But at that time, uh, Vietnam was very active. Right. And uh, we were, there were a bunch of us, probably eight of us, that were going to be reassigned. And we sat around the table and discussed this. And... Uh, this was not a bog sat. A bog sat is a bunch of guys sitting around a table where nothing's done. This was a, a group sitting around a table making a master plan. Hmm. We had an option of two, two programs. We could go into the wild weasels, which I'll talk about, or we could go fly a B-66. And we decided we wanted the weasels. Those were F-105 fighter aircraft. And uh, so we decided Knowing personnel in the military, you don't volunteer. So we said what we would do would not volunteer, and those that did volunteer were identified. So they went off, and they got the B-66s. We all got the weasels. The one you wanted. Our strategy worked. So you wanted to be in flight. You wanted to be in the Air Force. You take an, an engineering path. You're working on this state-of-the-art, how do we use technology to give us an edge in the air? Mm -hmm. were, you also, were you a pilot, a working pilot, and you could see how things worked, or you were more supporting the pilots? No, I was a navigator. I you became a, a pilot later, but Got at it. that time I was a navigator. And uh, that meant I would be in the back seat of an F-105. Right. But I was there because of what I was doing in Europe. Exactly. The knowledge that I had. And our mission was to take out the surface-to-air missiles in North Vietnam. And we would do that by getting them to fire at us. <laughs> Just not, wait. <laughs> not good on a cloudy day. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you, were the, you were the bait to draw them out? That's exactly the way it worked, yes. Well, the, you could tell when the missile goes off. We had special equipment in the back seat, so I could see what the signals were doing, and, and I knew from you know, yes. my experiences exactly what was happening by the, the sound of the signal. Hmm. They all make very crazy sounds, and you can sense exactly what mode they're in and how threatening they are by those sounds. And then watching scopes and everything else. But the biggest thing is you're watching outside because when you get a certain indicator we had a little light in there that was called the asthma sector light and uh, we didn't call it that we called it the uh you can guess light, <laughs> which meant you're the target huh. because that system would detect a certain change in the signal that could only be heard by the target and you could be flying in a formation and if you see that you're it 
Now, where Target's not necessarily used to listening for the signal, you're specially equipped by design to listen for the signal. Oh, yes. Yeah. So what do you do, though? Like, you're well, the target. first of all, you, you, know, you watch and you see when it launches, it's going to make a smoke ring. So you keep the missile in the middle of the smoke ring. That means you got to move and stay aligned head to head with the missile. <laughs> this is getting this is getting less. <laughs> yeah, it really, really works. And at a certain time, we start doing what we call the yo-yo, which is moving up and down, so that we cause confusion in the missile. See, the missile has two modes. One is ballistic, which we really like. So we try to jam the transmitter from the site to the missile. So the missile can't get any commands. Okay. That makes sense. And if it is under command, then we're good because we can get it to do what I'm talking about. If it's going ballistic, we just watch it'll go away. You can get away from it. But if it's coming up at you, you keep it in the middle of the smoke ring. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then at a certain time, you do the yo-yo, and then you pull. And you call, take it down, and you pull as many Gs as you can out of the way. And the Missile's going close to Mach 2 by then, and it can't turn, so it tumbles. And, and meanwhile, so long as you're away from it, you'll be okay. <laughs> you've located where that SAM came from. You got and it. Now, now you can I'm going direct, you're going to go after it. You bet. I'm going to launch a missile at it. And of course, I probably already launched one missile right. uh, from one of the other aircraft. But you only have one. So <laughs> I launched that, and it's supposed to take out the antenna so that it can't do anything. But then after we do that, we'll roll in on it and drop bombs on it. But that's, that's scary because now you're no longer threatened by the missile. You're threatened by the guns uh. and a lot of them. How did your wife feel about you going to work every day trying to get shot down? Or not trying to get shot down, but trying to draw fire? Well, she really didn't know what I was doing <laughs> at that time. <laughs> Probably for the best. But, but she did know best. I was in Vietnam. And, you know, yeah. eventually, before I left, she knew the whole story. Wow. Right. Because it, it was a top secret mission at that time. So, How many years Thank you for you your service, yeah. by the way. Right, uh, yeah. You know, you. The, the thing is, she deserves more credit than I do. <laughs> Can you imagine being away? Right. Not having any communication. We didn't have emails, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Couldn't exist. text her. Honey, I dodged right. another one. Oh. oh, if I wanted to make a phone call, I'd made a schedule, and next month I could make the call. Oh, man. No. Because I had ham radio operator. i just go down to the Mars station and get on, and we'd get on with Goldwater Station in Arizona, and we had a free phone call. <laughs> but this was only in the 60s. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I was 10 mm. at the yeah. time. How, how – so – a full career in the Air Force? Yeah, but see, during that time, I was boy engineer, too, because mm-hmm. I was engineering some of the stuff we are putting on the airplanes. Mm-hmm. And some so of you the would stuff come came back. from the same organization. So you come back and back to the drawing board, so right. to speak, and, and you're starting to see what works, what doesn't work, how we could improve things right. because That's... you had that infield experience. Now, where I'm trying to go with this mm-hmm. is – how did that set the groundwork for your, you know, you're such a hero here for entrepreneurs and innovators and business people. What do you think those lessons were that you learned literally under fire? Well, when I came back from there, I went to General Dynamics. We had a, a pseudo skunk works there, and I was involved in that process. Now, here's where the whole thing starts. Okay, working with those engineers, we're designing new airplanes, flying special airplanes. 
work I was working with 35 different companies because I had sole source capability. Oh. And if I needed something for my airplane, why don't you explain I, to people what sole source capability that means, means? Only one source. And if I wanted to buy that cup from that company, I went there and bought it. I didn't, didn't have to. You compete. didn't have to compete, right? No, right. Mm-hmm. So I learned I learned the business by working with all those companies and how they operated internally because I'm the sole guy that signs the document. Right. Sometimes we'd have a meeting and I'd be signing a chalkboard with the president of the company and that was the contract. We shot a picture and that was it. We built a $3 million, $4 million airplane. <laughs> but what it taught me was the fact that there are a couple of words we were never allowed to use. One of them was can't. Okay. And those things were very, very important because can't do is very important for entrepreneurs. Okay. So we're talking the baseline here. Another thing is the impossible just costs a little more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that may not be money. It may be right. time. Right. You see? Or resources. Right. But all those elements are so key to the entrepreneurs. Yet the problems you were solving of Canton Impossible, there were literally lives at stake. And this is national defense. And so the stakes were incredibly high as opposed to an entrepreneur who wants to make an app for an iPhone? Well, not really. It's not that far apart because we did Nomad weapons. This was all reconnaissance. So we're talking cameras, electronics. So I worked with a lot of entrepreneurs, and we didn't use that term back there. What did you call it? That was about 69, you know? Yeah. What was a person starting up a business called? What would they? (laughs) Just a creative person. Yeah. You know, because we'll have a need, and I had... uh, all the major commands of the Air Force were using our products because we... From we, GD. Well, no. Uh, we had General Dynamics, Lockheed, Ryan, and eventually now uh, L3 is very much involved. Now, are now. you in private at this time, or are you still Air no, Force? Air Force. In, you're Air Force, but in in, you're embedded. Got it. Right. Embedded in the plants. Got it. So we're working with these young engineers in the plants, and they'd come by and they'd say, hey, I got an idea about such and such, and I'd say, let's do it. I mean, I wish we could do it that quick now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I just write the check, and he did it. You right. Know? But, uh, so that went on for, geez, from, from 1969 until 1976, uh, 77. And I kept getting promoted, so. What'd you retire as? Colonel. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> what do they say? I'm, I'm, I don't know these words, but a full, is it a full bird, Colonel? Yeah. What does that post, mean? What by, you'll get a <laughs> kick out of this. When I pinned um, my eagles on, uh, I told my sister, and she said, oh, he's a full chicken now. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. <laughs> only a sister only yes. a sister's love could yes. provide oh, that oh yeah level. that was beautiful yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what'd your dad do uh, my dad worked for Westinghouse in Sharon Pennsylvania so and engineering he, no no he was not an engineer I was the first person in the family ever to go to college really yeah mm-hmm. really how many my kids brother, do you have uh, how many kids do I have yeah um, my wife and I have one daughter and what'd she do well, I told her when she was growing up, she'd never be an engineer. 
because so she she's didn't do well in math. So now she's a vice president at Wells Fargo in IT, and she's now a senior <laughs> member of the IEEE. Well, that's how that works. It's the, it's the whole thing about not uh, not uh, not volunteering. There You're you not going to volunteer, yeah. and then it'll end up that way. Yeah, she has a bachelor's and a master's from Cal Lutheran. Does she? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Cal Lutheran for a second. Oh, how, love how the did, place. How did how did you and Cal Lutheran get together? Well, I retired in '84. Okay. out of Washington, D.C., and then we came back because uh, that was the shortest retirement in my life. It was 10 nanoseconds long, <laughs> and I've never used the word since. Yeah. But we came back to uh, Thousand Oaks because I was going to be PGM of an electronics company in the Valley, in Woodland Hills. And so uh, the daughter at that time was going to school in Roanoke, and she decided she wanted to come to California with us, so we said fine. And she came out here and uh, was going, she went to Park College, graduated from there, and then came to Cal Lutheran. But it was uh, a gentleman from Cal Lutheran who was in charge of all the facilities that used to deal with a store where she was working. <laughs> and he finally, they developed a relationship, and she was enticed to go visit the campus. Well, at that time, I was already with a group, and we were part of what was called the Leaders Club, the uh, Community Leaders Club at Cal Lutheran. And we were officers and very busy supporting the school and doing many things, fundraising. And so she decided she would do that. And that just linked it even further. And we've been connected with Cal Lutheran from, uh, oh, geez, 1985 continuously. And you know they're a sponsor. <coughs> they sponsor our show. Right. And they— And Gerhardt's a dear friend, by the way. He is. He is and so uh, is Mike and the whole gang. Well, know, we're had, all family. We've had them all on the show. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate—and for those of you who want to listen more, you can find us in the back catalog. I think Gerhardt's episode, Our Business School is Really Good for Business, mm-hmm. uh, is, a, is a great story. We've got um, Chris, the president oh, yeah. of the college, Chris Kimball, is going to be on in uh, February. And I, I've been imp- I'm impressed with all of the schools in the region, specifically they're the the smaller working harder at it, mm-hmm. and have done a very interesting job of building connection with the community, and building an international set of advisors. I'm, ju- I'm just very impressed uh, with them being a sponsor. Gerhardt's always uh, suggesting people for the show, and, and everyone has been spectacular and interesting. Yeah. We were together for lunch last week. Yeah. Uh, we're uh, addressing a new program he's creating on the, it's on the hotel administration, that sort of area. You know, so. We would like to know about that. Hilton's but you have Hilton's. to ask him. Okay, <laughs> that's his baby, and uh, we're just helping him get it along. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's fast forward now, yeah. you know, 2015, almost 2016, the state of the startup economy here in the region is is exploding. Mm-hmm. Uh, the schools have all dedicated programs to them from San Luis Obispo on down. In fact, uh, I'm an advisor at the high school level. In uh, there's a incubator for businesses in at the high school level at Santa Barbara, at Santa Barbara high, school? high School. Yeah. Well, I could tell you stories about that. Go back five years. We've been connected with them. There you go. Mm-hmm. Calu has no. Calu- no, you no. have CCVF. Oh, that's right. Tell us so CCVF. Yeah. Tell us you've been doing that 17, 18 years. Twenty. Twenty mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Did you have your twentieth 
anniversary this year, this last that's session. Correct. So tell our listener what CCB well, is. Well, let's go, let's go back. How Cal Lutheran ties into this whole thing is Dean Maxey, who is uh, Gerhardt's predecessor, uh, came about 22 years ago. He and I had a conversation, and they wanted to have a venture forum in Thousand Oaks, sponsored oh. by Cal Lutheran. So Edison was very much involved. They paid the bills, but it was a Cal Lutheran investment forum that we did at North Ranch Country Club for a couple of years. In fact, we did it for four years. But two years into the program, uh, a fantastic gentleman from Santa Barbara, Joe Nida, yep. uh, came up to see it. And, of course, I'd known Joe because I'm all over L.A. and events, and he was always there. But uh, he came to me and says, how do you do this? And I took him by the hand and showed him. And we got along real well. And in a couple of years, he said, I'm going to start one in Santa Barbara. And I said, oh, that sounds great. So we helped him come over here and, and start that one. And then uh, uh, about a year into that program, why uh, Joe said, we need to have a meeting. And I says, I know the agenda. So uh, Dean Maxey and Joe and I met in, in a hotel there in uh, Ventura. And it was the shortest agenda I've ever had in any meeting. When? That was it. That was it. As when? we looked at each other, he says, what a set of date. And nobody had to ask what the subject was. It was combine them. It's a better deal to have it in Santa Barbara than in Thousand Oaks. Mm -hmm. Now, back at that time, the only place where there was any entrepreneurial anything was at UCI in the uh, faculty lounge. Really? Absolutely. The other, you yeah, see, Lava existed in L.A., and they so were the educational Lava is. Uh, Los Angeles Venture Association. Yep. Still existing, and their, their contribution was very, very important because they were the educators mm. on how Got entrepreneurs it. should work and all this. And entrepreneurs still wasn't a big name then. It wasn't a term that everybody used. It so this had is to grow. 20 years ago. Well, it was... Uh, yeah, it was yep. back in the early 80s. Yep. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, so we combined forces and then started, and at that time it was called the Central Coast Venture Forum, still CCVF. And then eventually uh, we decided, and uh, Joe, of course, he's the lawyer, so we made it happen, Right. changed it to the California Coast. Mm. And uh. then uh, we lost Joe about uh, eight years ago. Yep. Very tragic and big loss. So we took a one-year hiatus, and then we rebranded with Christie Communications back then. That's Christie Christi Co. now. But we rebranded our event, CBIS. Clean CBIS? Business, Clean Business Investment Summit. Clean Business is big back then. Yep. It's waning now because people don't understand it or it's such a common term, so we're thinking about some new things. But And we've created a new organization. And how is uh, that summit, what's, what's unique about that summit for the area? It is so unique. There's nothing like it anywhere in California, and here's the reason why. And this has been developed over years. We typically presented 17 companies, and we cut that back a bit. So it's a full-day affair. Now we're doing it at the Corbin uh, Pavilion on the campus of UCSB. 
and we have been doing that for she was seven years almost seven years yeah what it is that's so unique is we present the companies in the morning to the investors and of course we have a big mentoring program to make sure and we have a, a canned approach on how we do this that I've even got Kaufman to agree with and some others that really yeah and there's a group back in Cleveland that's picked it up through so explain again real quickly the Kaufman Foundation Kaufman Foundation does a lot. They're very much into entrepreneurship. Right. And they, yes, they equal entrepreneurship. All over the place, yeah. and they're big on that. And uh, my partner had a meeting with them last week. So anyway, uh, the whole idea is keep the investors there. And right. we've developed now a point where we can get 27 to 28 investor groups attending, <laughs> which uh, not many people could say that around this area or in L.A. So... What we do then in the afternoon, we created a, a program called the Investor Roundtable. Okay. So each investor group has a one of these cocktail tables, the high one with oh, no yeah. chairs. Right. No one can sit down. Right. Okay. And we have a mentor, a moderator with that particular investor group to make sure that nobody steals the time onto themselves. And we provide to all the presenters a background paper on all the investors and to all the investors, the executive summaries of all the presenters. Yes. So that they know in advance what the game is. And they can just, we just, right after lunch, we just turn it over to them and they do it for another four hours. Is it kind of one like on one. speed dating? No, it's not speed dating. <laughs> no, there's no schedule. You just, you know who you want to talk to. You right. can even talk to them in advance, set it up, and you go... And, you, and then we turn that right into our cocktail hour. And, so tell, and give, us a, give us a success story <clears throat> from one that uh, could wrap our brain around. Oh, I, I, there's so many. I, I really can't Pick come one up. in the uh, maybe not tech. So maybe social services or, or the environment. Well, we had one, one group come up from Ecuador. Oh, so it's not necessarily local. Oh, no, we're international now. Oh. In fact, my partner just came back from Finland. We're working companies in Finland, in Brussels, Belgium, and we're going to expand that, hopefully safely. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, we just opened up discussions with the British uh, Council General. We're working through all the Council Generals in L.A. We got Canada. Oh, that's the way to do Canada, it, right. Canada, and hopefully the British are coming on board. The Finns, uh, the Belgians, and Ecuador. That's a weird one, but that worked. We did a we did a venture forum down in Ecuador last June, and I couldn't go. So you know, but Christian Communications carried the ball down there, especially Alyssa. She's marvelous. She's Alyssa, a ball of fire, Alyssa, right? Alyssa Sears is marvelous. Yes. Yeah. And uh, let's see, uh, we had. 20 companies that we mentored via Skype. And how long and, is the mentoring process? You would be an expert at that. Look yeah, at this. The, yeah. Well, we gave them the start with, gave them an hour. Right. These were top quality companies. It didn't take more than an hour. Hmm. And our, our objective there was to teach them how to present to investors. Oh, And make I sure understand. that they had yes. all that, the documentation ready and all that stuff. So and Gillian played a master role creating that whole thing. So uh, Gillian Christie, but <coughs> so the, I it, it's the um, some people don't like calling it a pitch, 
but it's a pitch. Yeah. So I call it a pitch perfect. You know, how do I, you know, it, it gets back to the elevator speech That's and right. all of those kinds of things because it, it almost doesn't matter uh, how great the idea and the plan and the market and the research and everything is if I don't make a great connection with my potential funder in nine milliseconds, eh, they're not going to yeah. listen to me. We use nanosecond, but that's okay. <laughs> it really is not that short a time. We give everybody 10 minutes. Yeah. And sometimes we'll have Q&A after that if we're in an audience. Now, when right. we teach them there's two approaches on that presentation. It's a PowerPoint presentation, and the two key documents you're going to need is that 10-slide PowerPoint presentation right. and a one-page executive summary. Right. We do not allow one page and one line. I it's love that. one page. Yep. Well, the problem is, uh, you know, those of us that are playing this game or playing angels and all that, you don't have time to read a document. Right, right. You want to see it all, and so there's a classic formation now that's pretty much adopted all over California and that one page. And we're trying to tell the rest of the country, and I think they're picking it up too. But Where could someone, <coughs> the pers the people who listen to this show, uh, they are all over the world. We actually have yeah. a lot of listeners in Finland, wonderful. as it turns out. Wonderful. Uh, and now we'll have even more through, <laughs> uh, through this. Uh, where does someone go to find this information? Is it on a website someplace? Well, or do you have to be uh, in the program to. No, you learn? don't really. Uh, uh, we have a website. It's www.ccvf. Okay. Charlie, Charlie, Victor, Foxtrot. Org. Your Air Force is showing there. Of course, of course. Now it's interesting when you say Finland gets this. Uh, my partner. Curtis Park just came back from Finland and he attended Splash huh. or Slush. I'm not Splash. Slush. Slush. Do you ever hear that? No. That's the world's largest entrepreneur uh, investor forum. Huh. And 14,000 attendees. Oh my gosh. We should go next Two day. days. I'm, I'm uh, booking my tickets right now. <laughs> well, you see, we're going to tell, we're going to tell the, uh, the Council General from Finland about this and make sure he can come up on this line and see he's getting a plug. See? Oh, that'd be great. Oh, we'd love, we'd yes. Yes. love to interview. Please do that. And we they're would. marvelous people to work with. Yeah. Do you think that uh, the Central Coast is the epicenter for this kind of activity? Well, you see, we don't look at just the Central Coast because L.A. plays too key a role in here because I'm down there with SoCal Bio and LARTA, used to be right. the L.A. Regional Technology Alliance. And between Rohit and, uh, of course, Ahmed, uh, they've developed unbelievable work. So we'll say Southern California, yes. kind of the eyes are, it's, yeah. it's interesting, that like the design world, the car transportation world, mm -hmm. you know, all the cars are designed in Southern California. In fact, right. many, many of them in, yeah. in, in Ventura, right? Yeah. Because they, they look to us for the model. And as you said, you know, this way of doing a forum has been modeled out over and over because you've been doing such a great job of it. Yeah, we just did one L.A., uh, <clears throat> It's the uh, it's our annual uh, SoCal Bio Southern California Biomedical Council puts on a bio uh, investor summit in L.A. and we just finished that about a week ago, and we had typically we do 40 companies in one day, 
and we cut it back to about 38 this year just for timing we but heard on an, another show here that the challenge right now is that there are so many companies let's say locally being incubated from slow santa mm -hmm. barbara yes. i mean there, there are so many that we don't have enough uh local investors with the right seed cap, the right kind of funding for these businesses. What, what's your take well, on that? And by the way, Mike Banchak, you, know, you know him up in Slow. Mike's a partner. He's, he's yeah. a dynamo. He's, he yeah, is. he's part of our group. Yep. Uh, the uh, We have to be careful about that model, especially now with the transition to international. Yes. For instance, the government of Finland has put a big pot of money out for their entrepreneurs. And we're trying to now discover and helping them formulate exactly how that should be used because Finland's a very small country. Right. So they want to bring their people here and they want to get people over there. So that arrangement is changing the whole mix of monies. Okay? Mm. Same thing in, in Belgium and not so much down in Ecuador because they're, they're, they're working on this. Okay. But Canada is very much involved in this. So, to say we we have great uh, products, i.e. entrepreneurial opportunities, but we don't have the investors is um, probably not correct. Okay. Because as we spread out in the international, for instance, uh, uh, when Joe was working with running CCVF, why uh, back then we had a lot of investors from Massachusetts. They didn't come out here, but they got all the documents and they invested in companies. You see, was that because there was a strong um, communication chain between Massachusetts and here? Like, how? Oh, did, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, how was Massachusetts finding uh, uh, the opportunities? Now it's here? easy. Sure. Right. Back then, right. we didn't have the development that we have with the angel networks on on internet. And ah, all this. the networks. Okay. And yeah. the social media is big. Plays big, big time. Okay. <laughs> Facebook, big time. Uh, angel uh, list. Absolutely. And all those now right. come together, and we're exchanging documents for use in Dropbox and all that. You know, and you have a very large—I have a very large account up there, so I can send any presentation I want. It may be 10, 20 minutes. You know how what the capacity that is. Mm -hmm. I completely appreciate that you are definitely a digital immigrant, <laughs> and that you have. Um, I mean, the fact that you even know what a Dropbox is is impressive. Uh, there, there's, a, there's something of becoming an age, baby, baby boomer and above, where they feel like it's okay to say, oh, I'm not, I don't know that tech. I'm not into it. Yet yeah. the look on your face just said, no, that's not going to play. You, you've right. you got, got to. Yeah. You have to know those tools to, to keep up. Well, if you're going to be international, hmm. you know, with Skype, and you could be on camera or not, and... Look at the capability we have now. I was on Lebanon with Lebanon two nights ago at midnight. You know, that's the only problem we have. We, yeah. we figured out how to communicate. We haven't figured out how to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's something that um, comes about eventually. <laughs> is, this, is this also part of that technology acquisition by you uh, as, as, as how you do your business is because you remember not having like how hard it was to get documents oh. across the world? No, there's no, no, I don't have any feeling about that. Huh. It just says, you know, the, the first, the first uh, computer I had was an Apple, hmm. Apple one. And then I got an Apple two. And ironically enough, I ended up with an Apple two E. Now my last 
assignment in the Air Force was the commander of a unit at Andrews that is now part of or is the Air Force District of Washington. Because then I was the signature for the Pentagon, oh. the White House, the Air Force. That airplane that's up in the Reagan Library was one of our airplanes. Hmm. Was it? The 89th. And uh, so all the procurement that then happened there with three hospitals and four bases came out of my signature. Wow. So, so you were a lot of people's best friends. But here's the trick. Now, this will go good for your Apple guy. Yeah. Uh, one of the challenges was to replace the computers in the Pentagon. Well, just think of it. That's one floor in right. the Pentagon yeah. with raised floors. So they said, okay, um, there was a three-star general in charge. And uh, he said, well, we need to do that. So I said, let's have a meeting. So he gathered his guys. We sat around the table and said, okay, I want you to write a spec for what you want. They did. I wrote the RFP. That's request for proposals. Yes. Submitted that out. And I had something like five responses, IBM, Burroughs, you know, all the big guys. And back then and still, um, GSA is the only authority that allowed to buy computers for Correct. the government. So I just told them exactly what we're doing. And they didn't get in the way. They just said, okay, we're approving that. And uh, so we sent out this proposal, and it had to be direct purchase, leased ownership, direct lease, and there was some other one I can't remember. So I've got five companies with four proposals each. I said, okay, here's a challenge. How am I going to do this? Well, at that time, VisiCalc was out. Yes. Spreadsheets. Yes. So I went home on my Apple IIe, and I wrote a VisiCalc spreadsheet love to it. do the evaluation and <laughs> select it. this. And then I, I went back to the base, and I, said, I told my boss, I need a computer for the office so I can do this procurement. And I finally convinced him. So I went down, bought another Apple IIe <laughs> with the display and the, <laughs> and the printer and took it in, taught the guys how to use it. Was that the first Apple in the government? Could have been? Oh, I, I doubt that. But uh, you know, I had no idea. The guy, another colonel, was down the, the road from me, and he had the computer building, you know, bigger than this one. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, how long would it take you to do this analysis if I wrote out the, the algorithms I want used? And he said, geez, it might take two weeks. <laughs> You're like I did it at I home. I said, last I night. got news for you. I have a date, and that's not going to cut it. He says, oh, well, then do it your way. He and I will go play racquetball and decide how we're right. going to do this stuff. So I bought that computer, brought in my, my program, put it in there, and taught him how to use it, and did the evaluation with that and selected. Called the companies together, announced, because it was pretty much a closed bid, and uh, a sealed bid, we called it. So when I opened it up and I announced who the winner was, they uh, they asked me if they would if I would sell them the program. Of course, I <laughs> told them no. <laughs> I didn't want them to know what it was. <laughs> it was a simple spreadsheet that runs on an so Apple there's, IIe. There's right. an Apple IIe, and I said I don't think people even knew that ever happened. Oh. Oh, and if I, I if I told them then, they wouldn't even understand what I said. Sure. Have you ever written a book? <laughs> yeah, I wrote, um, we just finished the second book uh, on uh, this program I told you about. It's called Big Safari. Big Safari. If Can you, you get it on Amazon? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. The history of Big Safari. Because, I mean, I, I, I've got a sense. Um, are you a grandpa? No. So, I, I'm, you know, when you're a grandpa... <laughs> <laughs> you got you got some great stories. So I appreciate you sharing them with us today. 
Uh, I'm just very encouraged. Again, uh, Patrick said earlier, thank you very much for your service and the and the things that you did that helped us uh, tremendously. One of the things we get to do on the show is we get to name this episode, the, the, this conversation. So if we were going to give a title to our last 45 minutes, what would you call it? The impossible just costs a little more. Yeah, I wrote I that, that down earlier. Yeah. I was I was going to make a T-shirt out of it, but <laughs> just costs a little more. I love that. Yeah. Um, so again, thank you very much. Thank you for everything you're doing for the region, and uh, we've we'll put the um, in the show notes. We'll put the websites that we have up the CCVF and and of course the uh, California Lutheran School of Business, where of you're an active member and people. Yeah, well, school of management. School of management. Oh, mm. excuse me. That's right. It's been rebranded. <laughs> It's not just business; it's management. So I want to thank um, I want to thank Jerry again so much for having you join us, and thanks to California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services, and our podcasting partner Pull String Press. I love I love working in this studio. It's I look forward to it uh, every week. And Cielo Twenty Four, who provides the searchable captions for our show. The 805 Connect project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout this region. I want to thank them as well. Uh, you can get more information if you'd like to partner with us at 805connect.com. Now, Patrick, how, how could people help us? Because this episode needs to get out there. Yeah, well, I mean, I very often I will recommend that you email uh, a link to this episode to your uh, favorite friend or family member out there who needs to hear a good podcast. But I, I think this conversation definitely rises to the level of one of our all-time best. I, I agree. And so, uh, yeah, just uh, you know, go back in there to uh, the podcast app and uh, forward this episode over to a friend uh, and let them listen to uh, how, how much fun we get to have uh, in this studio. I love that. And what else should they do? Well, call your moms, obviously. Everybody, call your mom. And I would love to hear from you as well. So if you've got an idea for someone to talk to, this is how this show grows. You meet somebody interesting and you like, wow, Mark would love to talk to that person. You bet I would. So send me a note to mark at 805connect.com. Let me know what you like about the show, how we can make it better how we can uh, get more people in Finland listening. (laughs) So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. 